Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I have good news about my co-host, Patricia Kirkman, PK. She was finally released from rehab. She is home, thank goodness, recovering with great support personnel surrounding her in her beautiful home. So she is on the mend, and I'm hoping then the next couple of weeks she'll be joining us because there's so much going on with those numbers with Mercury retrograde coming up and PK is the one to talk to about it. So I know we're all looking forward to her return to the show. And we have some great things on our Facebook page, really interesting stories. We've got a Bigfoot encounter and something that looks like a Bigfoot den. So go to our Facebook page. And take a look at it. It's all very interesting. And this took place in the Hudson Valley in New York. And apparently that is a great area for all kinds of paranormal experiences. So take a look at that story. And another story that's kind of on target with what we're talking about tonight, magic. But this story is about the infamous Jack Parsons. And something that he was possibly trying to create. They're talking about in this article that Jack, who also invented rocket fuel and got us, helped get us to the moon, uh, he was trying to create something called a homunculus, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is a little magical being come to life. And that would have protected him. Unfortunately, it, I guess it didn't happen soon enough, and poor Jack was blown up in an explosion in his lab. There is still a lot of speculation if he was, in fact, murdered by our government. We don't know, but unfortunately, uh, Jack did not get to complete his experiments with the homunculus, and he was killed in that accident. Very unfortunate. He was an absolute genius, a remarkable man with a remarkable life. Go take a look at that story. That is also on our Facebook page today. And, again, another UFO weird one this time. This comes from Japan. And it looks like some type of a very strange balloon with something off the bottom of it, but it's unlike any balloon anybody's ever seen. Nobody in Japan knows what it is. 
so radar, everything else has no explanation for what this thing is, but just hundreds and hundreds of people have seen it. We've got pictures, we've got video on our Facebook page, so make sure you go and take a look at it there. It's really strange. Maybe we'll be able to figure it out by next week. But tonight, we've got a terrific guest joining us, and it's all about magic tonight. We're going to be talking about how to use all kinds of magic, and specifically using the pentacle to bring what we want into our lives. So walking the beauty way, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight with our guest expert, Phoenix LaFay, and we are also going to bring in Phoenix's other book, Hoodoo. I love talking about Hoodoo. So we're going to bring all of that in tonight for a very magical show. And I want to tell you a little bit about Phoenix before I bring you before I bring her on to the show and introduce her to you. Now she is known as equal parts blue-eyed wanderer and passionate devotee of the goddess. She is a restless seeker of knowledge always yearning to learn more, dig deeper, and dive into mystery. Sounds like all of us here at Supernatural Girls. Phoenix suffers from the whims of her divine muse, or perhaps muses, and in that suffering experiences a joy that manifests in writing, ritual, teaching, and devotion. An initiate in reclaiming the Avalon Druid Order and Gardnerian Wicca. Phoenix has had the pleasure of teaching and leading ritual globally. She is a hoodoo practitioner, a professional witch, a published author, and the owner of the goddess shop Milk and Honey. Phoenix, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you tonight. Well, I am too because you're talking about some very favorite topics of mine and I know our audience is excited about having you here as well. But tell us a little bit about your background. Now, is this something that is intergenerational? Did this come from your own family, or you just made a break and and ran with the Wiccan world? What happened? <laughs> well, you know, looking back, I can see that my parents are definitely what I would describe as more new age. We weren't raised religious at all, but my mom's done all kinds of interesting Uh, outside-the-box spiritual work in her life. Uh, But I didn't find witchcraft until the age of 15. Uh, And I I went through a hard time in my teens, as many of us do. Uh, And in my wisdom, I thought, uh, well, you know, if I had religion, maybe this wouldn't be so hard. I'd have, like, Mm. something to fall back on. And so I started exploring, and I would go to the churches with my friends whose families were religious, and I was reading up on Hinduism and and different faiths from across the globe. And uh, this was in the mid-'90s, and I stumbled across a book about witchcraft in a bookstore, and I opened it up, found that all of the things I already believed were written in this book, like this this idea of, of multiple gods and, and a goddess and magic and spells and all of these things that I thought were just, uh, you know, my little secret fantasy world was a face that people were following. And that was it. I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Now, what did you yeah. do from there? Did you find a coven to work with or were you doing this independently? Well, you know, I was persuasive at 15 and I encouraged my best friends to uh, practice with me so we would we were very earnest and serious and we uh, we would you know this was 
at the very early days of the internet. So we would find books about Wicca or witchcraft and, and do rituals out of the books. And um, the reclaiming tradition of witchcraft is um, very alive where I grew up and they host public rituals. So I think at the age of 17, I attended a public ritual with 80 witches. It was for the winter solstice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy cow, if this is what the rituals are supposed to be like, me and my two best friends have not been living up to our potential. This is amazing. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had covens. I've dabbled. Um, my former spouse and I ran a, a coven for several years. And my current husband and I uh, were involved in a Druid organization for many years. And we are a part of a couple of covens together as well. So, you know, I've kind of uh, I love all of this. I love magic and, and mysticism. So I've been a faithful student since the age of 15. And it just keeps, I keep learning more, which is what I love about it. That's great. And you found your home early. So at 15, you were on yeah. your path. That is terrific. And it sounds like you had parents yeah. that totally accepted what you chose. Yeah, my mom was a little weirded out at first. It was the tarot cards that freaked her out, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, she was good with, like, the earth worship and goddess and all of that felt okay to her. It was it was the tarot cards that made her nervous. But now, you know, that's one of the things I do is my job. So she realized it wasn't a phase, and she's okay with it now. I've read her oh, cards a good. few times. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny because there was an article very recently in the Huffington Post about how so many people now are turning to tarot readers rather than psychologists. So it's gotten that popular, and it's just taken over this wave of interest. So yeah, there you go. I mean, that's a lot of what it is. It really is. It gives you... I would say probably 80% of the time when I do a reading, a tarot reading for someone, it's confirming what they already knew, you know? Yeah. It's, they just yeah. needed an outside source to go, yep, you're doing it right. Or no, I wouldn't do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, what decks do you use? Do you use multiple decks when you do your readings? I use the Druid Craft Tarot deck, which is um, a deck made by Philip and Stephanie Cargom. I just really love the artwork. I'm a big fan of uh, choosing your deck based on what you find aesthetically pleasing. So that's mm-hmm. the deck that I use. But my fallback is the Rider Waite Smith deck. I feel like that's a real good, solid staple. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, they have so many out there now. That's why I always mm-hmm. like to ask mm-hmm. people if they have their favorites because. People always ask, you know, when you're going on that, starting on that path, and what deck do I get? There's just so many choices. So that's yeah, advice to go are. with the artwork. If the artwork speaks to you, then pick mm-hmm. that one. Yep, that's, that's a good way to do it. So you have written a book about using the pentacle to as a magical framework, basically. So tell us how to do this. What do we do? Mm-hmm. So there, I, and I have not... I'm not the originator of this concept of the using your body as a pentacle, right? This is like thousands of years old and lots of folks have worked magic using their body as a pentacle. Um, And, you know, a pentacle being a five pointed star with a circle around it. Right. So yes, our bodies are that shape. If you, if you stretch your arms out and you open your legs and you extend your neck, you, you are a living, breathing pentacle. And there is 
uh, a natural magic in that shape. So we're already inclined to be connected to that magic. So what, what we do with the, with specifically the beauty pentacle, which is what the book is about is focusing the a specific energy, which I refer to as, as beauty, but it's really bigger than that. It's more like the power of awe, you know, when you're, when something's just so awesome or so amazing or so um, beautiful, it stops you in your tracks. Like that, that power that is everywhere. We can connect to it all the time. If we can condense that and reel it in and make it a strong little energetic ball, and then we can run that energy through our bodies and it helps us to reconnect to nature, to other humans, to remember how, amazing life is and what a gift it is to be human. Um, but it is really about activating energy using your body as a pentacle. Well, you make it sound easy, is it? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it is easy because it's, you know, it's just your body and focusing on, on moving energy through it. Now, if you are unfamiliar with doing energy work, then it takes practice. It's like any other, any other thing. It's a spiritual practice, right? So it yeah. is something that, that improves over time. And in the book, you know, at the beginning is a very long guided journey to start this energy moving. So you can really connect to it, feel what it feels like, visualize it. You know, some folks really see energy. Some folks really feel energy. So it it gives you all these different ways to connect to what that energy might be like for you, because that's the other important thing. We're all super unique. So the way it works in my body and looks and feels and smells is going to be different from yours. So uh, there's lots of space for you to have your own experience and not have to fit the mold of someone else's experience. Yeah, that's great. And, And also you talk about when you move this energy through, you can actually locate blocks, and yeah. and get rid of them. And can you give us some mm-hmm. stories about people who found blocks in certain areas of their energy system and how they got rid of them? Because that's, I get these questions all the time from our audience members because mm-hmm. there's so many people that talk about that. You know, you can manifest what you want, but you got to get rid of the blocks. And, you know, they've heard it over and over again. But if you can tell us some, some about some people you know that did it this way, that would be great. Yeah, totally. So it is. This works on, on layers and levels. So running energy through your body, and, and you know, it, in, the, in the book I focus on this pentacle shape and running it that way. But if you're familiar with, like, the chakra systems where the, the energy flows from the base of your body up to the top of your head, right, it mm-hmm. works, it's the same basic idea in breaking through blocks that are in your energy field. And the first step really is to understand what the block is. Like what, why are you blocked? Where are you blocked? If you're running the pentacle and you're blocked in a certain point of it, like the desire point, then there's some work for you to do some unpacking about that point. If you're running your chakras and you feel a blockage in your heart energy center, then there might be something there for you to unpack around relationships or love or how you connect with other people so it's not it's not a one-size-fits-all situation your block you have to figure out why that but how would, pe- yeah, how would people know that it's even a block i mean obviously you can mm-hmm. look at your own life and say 
I'm not making enough money or I don't have my soulmate or something like that. But then when you're running energy through this um, this pentacle experience, using your body as a pentacle, how do you figure that out? How do you find where the block is? Does it feel different in some way? I mean, this yeah. is the kind of – because we feel kind of blind going down this path. What are we looking for? Totally. What are we looking yeah. to feel? That's a really awesome question. So energy should flow, right? It should flow. It shouldn't, it shouldn't feel stunted or, or sticky or, or difficult. It shouldn't have barbs on it. Um, if, if you tend to notice or are sensitive to, to energy in any way, shape, or form, it gets easier. The more you practice and work with it, the easier it gets. But if, if you're moving and focusing on energy moving from your head to your foot, if you're clear, if your channels are clear, that should just flow. You should be able to feel a tingle, a shift. And it, at the beginning, if you're totally a newbie to all of this and you're skeptical and you're like, I don't even know if any of this works, then you just imagine it. What if? Let's pretend that mm-hmm. you're moving energy from your head into your foot and see how that feels. But if at any point there's like a tear or a snag or a dark spot or a place where it pools instead of flows, that's a place to notice where there may be a blockage. Um, and if, you know, if you've ever talked to a massage therapist or had a massage or, or been a massage therapist, often, like way often, I was a massage therapist for several years, people will cry during a massage when you touch a part of their body. And sometimes it's super random. I had a client that every time I massaged her wrists, she would cry because she had trauma trapped in her wrist and it wasn't painful. It was that an emotion was being released when that energy was being moved. Right. So we can do that with our entire bodies that Mm -hmm. we can, we trap things in our bodies all over the place. Um, And you can connect into that from that subtle energy movement. I'll tell you one trick I learned about when I'm encountering a block if I'm running energy through my system and all of a sudden I find myself thinking about something else, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I wonder what I should make for dinner tonight, Something, some random thought starts coming in and taking me in a different direction, away from my focus of the energetic uh, connection, that's a clue to me that I hit something yeah. and and my conscious mind's trying to distract me. So I'll just share yep. that with everybody. That's one thing that lets you know you've hit a block, and at least in my experience. I'm not the only one, I okay. think, that that hits those kinds of blocks and goes off with random thoughts. So it's Absolutely. another thing to pay attention to, I think. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really funny when you catch yourself doing that. <laughs> our conscious self is very tricky <laughs> it really is and protective in a, in a way that sometimes we don't want it to be protective we yeah it's just a habit and so it's, yep. it's, it's good to pay attention and, and know that's what's going on so you can stop it so yes because running this kind of energy i think is extremely powerful and very mm-hmm. helpful and very and can be very nurturing, I think, once you settle into it, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there are other pentacles. Like I said, you know, the, the fairy tradition of witchcraft, Victor Anderson created the Iron Pentacle, and it's 
Um, iron energy is very intense and grounding and, and earthbound. Uh, but the beauty pentacle is more about restoration. It's very restorative and healing and expansive, right? The energy is more about opening and connecting rather than digging into the shadow work that you may need to do, right? So mm-hmm. um, it, is, it is very healing. And in your book, you talk about Nephthys, you talk about Isis, and how you first came into contact with this energy yourself. Can you share more about that? Yeah. So this many years ago, about a decade ago, I taught at a week-long retreat called California Witch Camp. And my path partner and I, we were co-facilitating a path, uh, and it was called Walking in Beauty. Uh, and it was this kind of mixture of poetry and magic. And I am not a poet. Uh, not a poet, but my, okay. my teaching part, my teaching partner is, she's a very gifted poet. So we were sort of co-creating this, this idea of magic and poetry and how they fit together. Uh, and the theme of the entire week was the goddess Isis. So we were doing a lot of work with Isis's story and her background and some of the mythology around Isis. And I didn't know at this point, I'd done a lot of study on Egyptian magic and, and the goddess Isis, getting ready to help facilitate this retreat. Uh, and up until that point, I'd heard of Isis, obviously, she's a, you know, a big popular goddess, but I'd not right. heard of her sister. And she has a, a twin sister, Nephthys, you know, the four sibling, main siblings of the Egyptian pantheon were all born within four days of each other. And the last one born was Nephthys. So we developed, the, the Beauty Pinnacle was developed for this class. We ran the Beauty Pinnacle through our bodies every day to help us connect to poetry and the beauty of being in the woods and the beauty of being with each other in a magical space. And what became really obvious to me as a, a, an individual, right, not necessarily the facilitator of this work, but as mm-hmm. just Phoenix, the, the, the witch, was that Nephthys was deeply connected to the beauty pentacle. I almost feel like it was her gift to me because she, uh, she lives in the shadow of Isis. Isis is bright and shiny and beautiful and everyone knows Isis and everyone is in love with Isis and Nephthys, they are, they hold the gates together. Isis is birth and Nephthys is death. So Nephthys is a little bit scary and dark and, uh, she's just as beautiful, but it's in a way that is intimidating, where Isis mm-hmm. is this soft mother, right? So um, she just opened up the beauty pentacle in a way that really made me believe exploring beauty is more than just looking at the shining image of Isis. It's deep and dark and sometimes scary. Yes. I mean, Nephthys is just wonderful, and I'm so glad you, oh, yeah. you wrote about her in, in your book. Because you're mm-hmm. right, not a lot of people know about Nephthys. So yeah. was, I thought it was wonderful you brought her to the forefront. Because really, I think some of the message from a goddess like that is there is no death. There's, right. there's just a transition. So it's a different yeah. kind of light. It's a different walk. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I just I love that part of your book. It looks like we have a question from a listener. So let me bring him on and okay. see... What they want to ask. So, hang on, let's just bring them on. And Hi, you're live on the air. Do you have a question for Phoenix? Yes. Okay, hello. 
Hi. Who's this? Hi. Oh, hi. This is Lisa. How are you? Hi, Lisa. Thank you for your call. Do you have a question for Phoenix tonight? Yeah, sure. Well, okay. I, I actually just tuned into the show. Are you doing psychic readings? No. Oh, so you just tuned into the show, and you don't yeah. have—you do have a question, or you don't? <laughs> I mean, I'll ask the question. Yeah. Okay. So my thing is this: I'm starting to learn more of my energy. I pick up on other people's energy. So I see myself. I just wanted to see. Okay, I see myself going on interviews in a few months, and I'm picking up on the energy that's not so good. So, no, I will not take the job. (laughs) So I just wanted to see what maybe Phoenix or what the universe is trying to tell me. Hmm. Okay. So you're getting for her, Phoenix. Yeah, so you're getting you're getting hits that the, what you're preparing to do isn't going to work out the way that you want. Um, so what I would suggest, if this was my situation or if we were doing a session together, then I would highly encourage you to shift your focus. So instead of, you know, focusing on this vibe you're getting that it's not going to work out the way that you want or it's not going to be the right fit, what do you want and what is the right fit? And start calling that in especially if you have a few months to start sorting it out and working it out, you can utilize not only your intuitive self, but you can do a little spell work around it, you know, burn some candles, focus your intention, maybe even make a a mojo bag to help you really realize your ultimate goal. Um, And then, you know, if you're, if the universe has already given you hints that that this isn't going to work out, then when the right thing shows up, I don't have any doubts at all that you'll get the right hit, that this is the one to really go for. Okay. So I, I definitely, uh, I, I see. All right. Because this is not the job that I want at all. Mm-hmm. So I will not take it. Yeah. I can't, I'm, in a way, I'm kind of glad that I'm starting to learn my uh, powers. So it mm-hmm. kind of keeps me from negative people. So that's one thing I love about it. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Okay, well, so I might do. I should do a session with you once I start uh, interviewing, so that way it'll help me land the right job. Yeah, I would be happy to help. Well, thank okay. you so much for your question, and thank you so much yeah. for your call. Keep listening. I'm going to put you back into um, another thank mode you. here, so you can continue to listen okay. to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. So, you know, it's interesting, Phoenix, you, you bring up, you brought up a, a very valuable uh, piece of information, which is sometimes we do tend to focus on what we don't want rather than mm-hmm. what we do want. It's easy to get distracted and start to actually funnel a lot of energy into mm-hmm. the, the one we don't want. So you have some really great advice of putting your attention on what you do want. I think that's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's it sounds really simple, hard. but it's powerful to do it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, humans, it's it's really hard to 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 stay focused on the positive and the outcome that you want. And you know, there many of us are optimists. I'm not necessarily a super optimist, so I have to work a little extra hard to make sure I'm staying focused on the goal and not my fears of what 
will happen if I don't hit the goal, you know? It's tricky. Yeah. And and creating the mojo bags and uh, burning candles, I think all of that is so helpful because it helps you keep your focus. Yes, absolutely. There's so much going on in the world today that we can pay attention to, and that's not a lot of energy that's going to help us get to our goals, better job, a better person mm-hmm. to be with, whatever. So it, I think these... These types of magical practices are, are just incredibly helpful. Yeah, yeah. When you know, when you can be focused, humans are immensely powerful, and we don't give ourselves enough credit. And and I'm going to take that one step further. I think that's even more true for women. Uh, we don't give ourselves enough credit, and if we can stay focused on the goal, manifesting is easy. And that sounds so simplistic. Right. But Mm -hmm. focusing on the goal and staying on track, that's actually the hard part. Once if you can do that, then you're 99 percent there, you know, and and that's that's kind of the secret about magic and spell work in general is it's it is actually a lot easier than you might think. It's that you get in your own way and your brain gets you messed up because you we overthink or the little hamster wheel keeps running and our fear (laughs) sinks in. And that's where we get sunk, you know. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And again, that's where I love uh, bringing in all these magical practices because they all support getting to the goal and doing yeah. it in a good way um, and in a beautiful way. I mean, candles, that's just so much fun. And they're so pretty mm-hmm. to watch, uh, working with herbs. I know we're going to get into all that hoodoo stuff pretty soon. I can just tell we're going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard Which not is to. great. <laughs> Yeah, and so you know it's all it's all important, and I think adding your work that you're bringing up here with the pentacle is another very powerful thing to do. And like you said, which I like this so much that you encourage people if you don't know how to do this, imagine mm-hmm. that you're doing. This. Yeah, that's good enough. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, you know we fake it till you make it. You know it's it's a spiritual practice, not a spiritual perfect. So if if you're working with a tool or uh, a modality that you've never worked with before, why would you think you would be perfect right away? If you sat down at the piano and never learned how to play the piano, you're not going to play Mozart right away. It's, you have to practice. And spiritual work is no different. Uh, it, it, takes, it takes patience and practice. So, you know, I also think we got to cut ourselves a little bit of slack when we're learning this stuff. It does take time to fully integrate. Yeah, it's like using a new muscle, and you, you've got to exercise that yeah. muscle. And with women, too, I, I noticed in your book you had a lot of suggestions for people to take time for themselves. Very tough for women mm-hmm. to do, especially in today's busy <laughs> world. And, you know, like you said, we'll take a, you know, a purposeful walk, which becomes your vision quest, take a bath, do, you know, have a massage. And I could hear my friends with children in the background just saying, I bet she doesn't have kids. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do have kids. (laughs) See? Now you do, and you're able to do those things. So you have to tell them the secret, because I know I hear this all the time. Well, you can do that. You don't have kids. But you are doing it, and you do have kids. So... How do you manage that? Well, and to be fair, my kids are grown now. So, you know, my youngest is 18, but it isn't, uh, that does add an extra layer of complexity for sure. Uh, So you have to, it's 
even more vital for you to carve out time for yourself. So if that means enlisting an older sibling or an auntie or an uncle or a grandparent or your co-parent to give you 20 minutes, 15 minutes, two hours, whatever, uh, you know, we don't, we don't parent in a bubble. Uh, and that's a good thing. So that's when you have to call on your allies and your helpers and the people in your life that can, can, can give you, even if it's only 10 minutes of reprieve so that you can go for that bath and take a half an hour bath, even if it's just a half an hour. And some of these things you can do with your kids, right? Like the, one of the best activities I did with my daughter when she was a toddler was going for, for magical walks because for mm-hmm. a kid, for a toddler, Every freaking thing along the sidewalk is fascinating. They want to pick everything <laughs> up and put it in their mouth and touch it. Right. And just just watching them experience delight in that mystery fuels our delight in the mystery, you know? So there are also ways to incorporate your kids in it. It just shifts. It has to, you have to shift your mind from, from being the, the cautious parent to the curious kid and engage on a kind of a more child self place but yeah it it does add an extra layer of complexity it isn't as easy for especially single parents for sure oh yeah i don't know how they do it yeah yeah it's hard yeah it is but you're making some good suggestions to enlist the aid of other relatives and friends who Mm -hmm. may have some time to to devote to babysitting or taking them on on some type of excursion so that yeah. you can get time for yourself to do these other practices. That's great. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's a challenge. And I also want to mention that you do have recipes. Well, you have the recipes for honey cake in your book, which yeah. I am going yeah. to try. I love honey cake. <laughs> so, anyways, the book is wonderful, and it's it's Thank very you. engaging and very easy to read. So I encourage people to, to pick it up. It's It's a really fun book. And learn how to do the pentacle energy movement because it is that powerful yeah. and you might as well find out about it and use it to your own advantage. Absolutely. So yeah. let's let's talk a little bit I mean come back to this obviously, but it's all tied together. Let's talk a little bit about hoodoo. Now how okay. did you become a hoodoo <laughs> practitioner? You're also the author of a book about hoodoo. Please give us the name of that book also. Yeah, actually, I've written two books about hoodoo, Hoodoo Shrines and Altars and Cashbox Conjure. So I have, um, they're both little quick reads, chock full of spells, um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're both fun. Um, my, so I am a white woman, just making that perfectly clear, uh, because hoodoo is African-American folk magic. So I just, I like okay. to be open about the fact that I am not African-American, um, but I have lived in an interracial household since the age of five. So I did grow up uh, being influenced by things outside of just European ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was never, nothing was ever referred to as magic or hoodoo. In fact, it wasn't until much later in my life that I discovered some of the, my family's superstitions were actually hoodoo, you know, things like washing with certain products or using red brick dust or, uh, you know, keeping things on your front or back porch that, that I just thought were our family superstitions are actually from this magical tradition. And then 
oh, I don't even know how long ago it was now. I started working at Lucky Mojo Curio Company, which is a, a hoodoo shop here in Northern California. And it was like, it was kismet, actually, because I had been a freelancer. I was, I was a freelance writer for many years. And I got really tired of the roller coaster income life of a freelancer. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a tourist, so yes. I needed I needed a little bit more stability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I op- I opened up Craigslist, and the very first job posting was for Lucky Mojo Curio Company for a magical shop, uh, and they wanted someone to be a reader and to help with their candle ministry services. And I was oh, like, Holy God, cow! It was fun. <laughs> This job was made for me, uh, and it, it it all happened very fast. I interviewed and started, I think, a week later, um, and it's, a, it's all completely hoodoo. And Catherine Ironwood, who owns the shop, uh, really wants it. She wants customers to feel like they've walked into Memphis in the 1940s. So everything oh. is on point. Even the tape dispensers are are antique tape dispensers. It's like everything's on point. So I learned a lot about, you know, I'd already been practicing witchcraft and Wicca and Druidry. And then I learned about some of the, the names of, of hoodoo workings, because really hoodoo and witchcraft and, and a lot of magical systems, they're very, very, very similar. It's just like, for example, in hoodoo, you might do magic on a doll baby and you might make a little dolly for another person to do like healing magic on them. And in other systems, that might be called a voodoo doll, or uh, in a European system, that might be called a poppet. It's all the same. It's just the names are different, and the herbs you might use are different, because in the South, you might not have access to the same herbs you can get in England, for example, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, it, was, it was really expansive for me as a magic to find even more commonality from this continent of magical systems. Um, and Catherine Ironwood, again, who owns Lucky Mojo, she also publishes books on hoodoo. And she knew that I was a freelance writer and asked me to write the Hoodoo Shrines and Altars book. Uh, and that's actually oh. the first book I've, I've, I've ever written and had published. And it was a, a wonderful experience. But she publishes probably three to four books a year. Um, and they're all less than a hundred pages. They're short and sweet and they are chock full of spells and frequently asked questions. Uh, so yeah. So then I followed that up with the cash box conjure, which is all money magic, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> oh gosh, we've got to get into that. We have so many people in our audience interested in that. So <clears throat> one thing I, maybe I'm mistaken, but I thought with hoodoo, that it yeah. was also something that in, basically encouraged practitioners to use the products they had handy. So yeah. is, is that true? Like stuff that you'd find in your kitchen, you can use in hoodoo. Absolutely. But, and that's absolutely true because for the most part, hoodoo came from a culture that was oppressed and didn't have access. Mm-hmm. You couldn't go buy the fancy herbs because they didn't exist. So you had to make do with what you had. And I have found that that's true of most of witchcraft. You know, most of which witches across time were living on the outskirts of society. They were the midwives and the herbalists and the, you know, the ones offering services quietly and secretly to their community members. So there's always been a thread of work with what you got in witchcraft. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in hoodoo, that's much more explicit. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like they made it all work, you know, whatever was around. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Now, what's the difference, yeah, and, uh, Phoenix, between hoodoo practice and brujeria? Yeah, so voodoo or santeria or uh, some of these other system, Afro-Caribbean systems are religions with a initiatory lineage. So mm-hmm. a voodoo practitioner has been trained and initiated into that system. It's not something you can or should really just dabble with, right? Where hoodoo is folk magic, so it's accessible to anyone, um, you don't have to be initiated. You don't have to necessarily be trained, although it does help to have someone show you the ropes to make sure you're doing it, following the recipes accurately, so to speak. Um, but it is a, it's a non-initiatory uh, system, right? So mm-hmm. it's a folk system. And it's really connected to Christianity a lot. A lot of, of churches in the South, um, Baptist churches and Protestant churches, have our work in hoodoo and they might not call it that, but they have prayer circles in the back room where they light candles and bless herbs and read certain Psalms and all of that is very hoodoo. So there's also this um, Christian component that you don't necessarily find in other magical systems. And Brujeria is very similar to South American and Mexican witchcraft, and they they have a lot of saints, and the Santa Muerte is one of the most important ones there. What about hoodoo? Does hoodoo also rely on saints in magical practice or not? A little bit, and I'm sorry, you said Brujeria, and I totally went off on voodoo. I, no, I it's don't okay, know why, because you gave I heard a great answer. answer. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, actually, Brujeria and hoodoo are very similar i would say that they are are cousins if not siblings Um, and there is traditionally if you go back there aren't really saints in hoodoo because um because of the the christian systems where hoodoo is practiced they don't do a lot of saint work but that's Mm -hmm. definitely shifted and more modern practitioners have incorporated more saint work into it which is a lot of fun (laughs) <laughs> yeah. As someone who wasn't raised religious And the more I learn about working with saints It's really fun I really love it So it, it's become more popular Which I like Yeah, that's terrific So it's still evolving That's wonderful Oh, yeah mm-hmm. So, you know, tell, tell us all about Some of the things that we can use That come right from our kitchen Like nutmeg, for example And, and how do you work with it? It's considered, mm-hmm. I believe, warming and something to do with money. So let's get into that. Yeah, so any spice in your spice cabinet has a magical purpose. You've ever picked up a book about magical herbs or, you know, there's a Scott Cunningham has a great book about magical herbs. Catherine Ironwood has a book about specifically magical herbs in the hoodoo system. Um, you can re- look at anything in your spice rack and go and see what its magical correspondence might be, but also think about what that does to your food. So like you said, you know, nutmeg, there, it has a warming quality to it, so it can be used to heat things up. So what do you need heated up? Do you need your love life warmed up? Do you need your pocketbook warmed up? You can use it um, for those purposes. But also like nutmeg, a whole nutmeg is considered a good luck charm. So you could pop a whole nutmeg out of the spice cabinet and keep it in your pocket or put it in your purse or your wallet as a a way of enhancing your luck. Um, 
peppermint, like tea bags. You can cut open a peppermint tea bag and use that, the peppermint um, tea, as a money charm. So very much so, everything in your spice cabinet has a purpose. Even salt, right? Salt can be used mm-hmm. to cleanse and purify and create boundaries for protection. Um, there isn't anything in your spice cabinet that you couldn't use for magic. That is so exciting because I spend way too right? much time in the kitchen. So it's really <laughs> nice that I can look at my spice cabinet with a whole new angle here of the magic that yeah. it brings. Yeah, and I mean, magic, witchcraft should be fun. It, it, you know, it should appeal to your younger self, and it should be fun and, you know, get in there and play and, and get your hands dirty, right? Like that's yeah, what makes exactly. it effective. Exactly. Well, now, so mm-hmm. you, you talk about using a whole nutmeg as a good luck charm putting it mm-hmm. in your purse or your pocket or whatever. And, you know, is there, in hoodoo, is there a spell that goes with that or an incantation? Or how do you manifest something with the nutmeg? So typically from a hoodoo perspective, you would anoint it with an oil. So you might, um, if you are into, you know, fancy magical oils, you might get like a money drawing oil or um, you could, purchase a wealthy oil from, from someone who makes you know, magical oils, or you can make your own. If all you have is olive oil or corn oil or whatever oil in your cabinet, um, make a little dish of the oil, put some salt in it, and pray over it or read a psalm over it, right? All you have to do is, is bless it and tell it, you, your job is to be good luck. Your job is to help infuse this nutmeg with good luck. And then you anoint the nutmeg. You shine it up with the oil, tell it what its job is. There's a lot of, of the spell work in hoodoo is about giving the breath of life to things. So you would oh. whisper, breathe on it, tell it its job, and then um, carry it with you. And if you notice it's not working or it stops working, then you need to, I'm going to do air quotes here, feed it. you got to charge it up, give it more oil, give it more of a blessing, Remind it what its job is. Read the prayer over it again and remind it what it needs to do for you. Awesome. What other types of spices, like let's say you have a client that comes to you and wants your help with increasing their their money. Um, Mm -hmm. So whether it's from a job or inheritance, they don't care. They just want more money in their bank account. What would you do for them or what would you tell them to do for themselves? Yeah, so, um, you know, one really easy thing to do, because, you know, obviously there's more long, drawn-out spells, and especially with money, I feel like um, it's more than just the one thing. You know, you could put uh, a mint leaf in your wallet. You could put some basil in your shoe. You know, you can do little things like that. But with when you're working on something really big and you need to shift some things in your life, you have to be willing to put a little bit of more of, it, of your personal time and invest into that. So, you know, okay. if you want to, if you want to manifest a lot of money, if you want to be wealthy, if you want um, uh, to have lots of zeros in your bank account, but you are planning on not leaving your house and sitting on the couch and doing nothing but watch Netflix for the next year, you're unlikely to see that goal manifest no matter how much basil you stuff in your shoes, right? Right. Um, So, 
you know, that's the thing is, is yes, do the magic, do the spell, do the thing, but also make sure that you are taking the steps um, to create that in real time and that you're working on it, that you're doing things. Uh, But, you know, simplistically, like I said, you can put basil in your shoe. You can put um, five finger grass, which is you probably won't find that in your herb cabinet or your um, your local grocery store. But yeah, I've never heard of that. Food. What is that? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the other name for it. Um, my brain is not connecting to that word. It'll oh, sink foil. Sink foil is the other name for it. Um, okay. If you have a natural food store or a or an herb store nearby where you live, where lots of natural food stores carry sink foil or five finger grass, it's perfect for for money drawing, for calling money in. And the plant looks like a little hand. So when you get it, it's not going to look like that. It's going to be kind of chopped up grass looking. But when it grows, uh-huh. it grows like a little hand. And so the oh, the folk funny. belief is. You collect this hand, and the hand pulls money for you. It's calling the money in. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that does sound like fun. fun. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so that's sink foil or what was the other Five name? finger grass. Five finger. Okay. Well, yeah. I have a text from somebody listening, and they just said, <clears throat> I, that was another typical question, about mm. you know, I want my uh, my perfect partner, my soulmate in my life. Yes. What do you suggest I do? Yeah. This, so, like I said earlier, I read tarot cards and do consultations, and this is my number one question. So I'm is it very really? Familiar. Oh my god! Yeah. Huh. Number one question. So, step one: What do you want? You know, if if you start saying I want a partner, then you might manifest something you don't want <laughs> yeah. you you need to be specific but not so specific you don't leave room for mystery so what I encourage people to do is to write a list what's your perfect partner what's their age range How, do they have kids do they want kids what kind of work field are they in where do they live you know what's their spiritual background all of the things that are the most important to you and, and really start building a picture of what this perfect partner might look like. And then once you have that clear picture, and that's not a process to rush. Take your time with that because you don't want to make your list and do a spell and then a, a week later go, oh, shit, I forgot the most important thing. Yeah. You know, so take your time. Take your time and make your list. And then start doing love drawing work. You want to, you want to basically turn on the light switch that you are ready for a romantic relationship, you're ready for love, you're ready for that perfect partner. So I usually, you know, to to use a funny word here, I prescribe love baths, Um, you know, pouring milk and honey and rose petals into a bath, being really luxurious, lighting candles, reading that list out loud, inviting that person into your life. Uh, and then I also like to do a moving candle spell where you make a candle for that, that perfect partner. Um, and it could be like a figural candle that actually looks like a man or a woman, if that's, you know, if you want to get real specific. Or you can just use pillar candles or glass encased candles. Any type of candle would work. But you name one for that person that you're calling in, and then you name one for yourself. And then you set them apart from each other. And every night you light the candles, you read that list of your perfect partner, 
and you scoot them a little closer together. And you do that oh, every single night. Oh. Yeah. And then once the candles are touching, you let the candles burn out completely. That sounds like a great way to attract the perfect partner into your life. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. wonderful. It's it's easy, too. I mean, again, if you have yeah. time to take that luxurious bath. <laughs> right. Right. That's good. Now, one question I get asked a lot about these tall candles that can burn for three days mm-hmm. or longer. Do you recommend that you blow them out? I mean, if you leave the house, right. you probably shouldn't leave those candles burning, right? Yeah. So, so the, yeah. Okay. I live in Northern California where we have serious issues of wildfires like i i live on the town next door to the town that burned away uh, two years ago right so oh my god um I, yeah so i am very fire conscious in my life however i'll tell you i didn't used to be that way and i one of the things i do for my clients is burn candles and i use those glass and case candles are pretty sturdy they're pretty mm-hmm. good uh, and i would leave candles burning all the time 24 7 whether i was home or not since the wildfires have ravaged my hometown, I don't do that anymore. And I'll tell you what, my magic and my success rates have not changed at all. So my superstition has shifted. I used to feel like it was not good to, to put the candles out. Um, now I always put the candles out if I'm not here to monitor them. And it's mm-hmm. just better be safe than sorry. Better be safe than sorry. Now, I was trained that you never blow out a candle. You always snuff it. Uh, However, one of my dear friends in the craft thinks that that's a load of hogwash, and he blows out his candles all the time and doesn't care (laughs) and doesn't have problems. So, again, your your mileage may vary, and your superstitions could come into play here. So um, to decide whether you snuff out your candles or blow out your candles, but I don't leave them burning anymore. I am a safety-first girl now. Well, I think that's good advice for everybody because you never know when uh, something's going to take place. And I do know what you're saying about those candles because I've had them here, and they are very sturdy, right? Um, But every once in a while I hear a story about, you know, one exploded and they they were there. So unless you have some special container to put around them so that if they do explode it doesn't go any further, um, I, right. I'm with you. I think just snuff them out or blow them out or whatever you have to do to make sure that everything around you stays safe. So, yeah. yeah. But that's a question I hear a lot, so thank you for answering that one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so that's the love question. That one comes up. You said number one is that question. Number one. What's, yep. what's number two? Number two is money. How do money. I get more money? Okay. <laughs> Yes, I think yep. everybody, especially today, is looking in that direction to see where is that money going to come from. So yeah. what about other questions that you get asked in, in magical things? I know some people want to seek revenge. How does hoodoo handle mm-hmm. that? So hoodoo is very justice-based. And if you have a righteous cause and you are justified in your actions, and then you cleanse yourself appropriately and you ask for forgiveness, you can do whatever the heck you want. So, you know, when it comes to ethics, uh, I am a, 
I'm a big believer that you have to make the decision on what is ethically okay for you. I don't ever tell people what to do from that perspective. I don't do cursing work personally. I I just don't need, I don't feel that's necessary. Um, But, you know, I have done binding work. I have done work to send someone away. Uh, And I do know that there are folks who find that to be too coercive. So when it comes to coercive magic or, or cursing magic or, or revenge work, you, you have to decide what you feel comfortable with. But from a hoodoo perspective, as long as you're justified, you can do whatever you want and whatever you need. Mm-hmm. Well, and there yeah. have been some situations, I think, where uh, hoodoo practitioners have uh, done spells to get an abusive person mm-hmm. who's violent out of the home. Yep. To protect yep. the rest of the family, and so yeah, that sounds like a justified kind of a spell. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like the thing that. that I say to people who are are feeling the need for revenge is to wait. Just give yourself a, a little bit of time, because is this because you're just so angry and you're in the moment and you're making a rash decision, or is it truly justified? And you can't. Sometimes you can't make that decision when it, your hurt is so fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely, if someone is ab- is abusive or aggressive or um, a predator, I have no qualms with doing magic to make that person go away or stop what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a mm-hmm. place where magic could be really helpful because our uh, law enforcement can only do so much, and, and sometimes their hands are tied, so people are mm-hmm. at risk. That's where magic yeah, can really absolutely. do some good. Yeah. 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 I've seen it happen. Yeah. It's very powerful. It's like those shoes oh, are yeah. walking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I unfortunately a couple years ago had a situation with a, a stalker. I had someone who was um, very aggressive and scary and consistently oh. coming, coming after me. And so I, you know, I did all the legal things that I could do, but like you said, there's only so much protection that we have under the law. Uh, it's almost like something has to happen before the threats aren't enough, right? So I definitely yeah, did some true. magic on this situation, and it's been um, it's been three years now without a peep. So good um, job. You, know, you, you definitely can use magic to help you in those situations. That's fantastic. You know, it's true because. It's like restraining orders. They always say, well, go get a restraining order. Well, you know, if you have a stalker, mm-hmm. you've got somebody who's unbalanced, and restraining right. orders only <laughs> work with reasonable people. So right. exactly. that's why, unfortunately, we read about these horrible stories, and thank God you were able, and thank God is that you did your your spell work and that this has gone away. And, and again, yeah. that's that's a place where I see this is really powerful, and it really does work. And we need it because we really don't have things in place that that do protect us from situations like that. Right. So that's great. Yep. Now, let's see. There's just so many things you can do with magic (laughs) to enhance your life. I mean, my gosh. Do you have any stories that you want to tell us about people you've worked with and what's changed in their life? Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've been doing this work for a really long time, so there's, there's definitely been stories of people getting terrible neighbors to move away, um, some healing work that's been quite miraculous. I've had two different clients that we've done fertility spells. They were dealing with infertility and 
they both recently have had babies, uh, so that's really exciting. That's a place that where magic can help. Um, the, like I said, I get love work questions a lot, so I definitely have a long list of people with new new lovers or, or marriages or, or happy relationships. That's, you know, that's the thing that I, um, I commonly get to work on. That's always fun. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much. Buying a new house, getting a new job. Like magic can help with so much, and there's definitely been, like I don't, I don't even know. It might be faster for me to think of things that I haven't worked with people on. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. Yeah, now, I feel do you really think... blessed, honestly, to do what I do. It's um, you know, uh, um, many years ago, I thought I'm never going to open the the paper that that dates me and look at the job listings and see like priestess for hire. Uh, that that job, job doesn't exist, but I've made that my life. That is my job, so I feel really blessed to be able to do what I do. Oh, gosh, you are, and, and obviously you're having a lot of fun with all of it. You also have a new book coming out at the beginning of next year with Gwion. Tell us a little bit about that yeah. book. Yeah, so Gwion and I uh, were driving in a car, <laughs> and we were talking about uh, my my youngest, who is – 18 and and this was right about the time she was getting her driver's license and I was talking about how um, what a big rite of passage getting a driver's license is and we almost just blow by it or like our society is like yay you got your license go and drive like we we put kids through this rite of passage where they're a kid and then all of a sudden they're operating like a deadly weapon and it's done <laughs> it's done with such little pomp and circumstance, you know, such mm-hmm. little celebration. Um, and we started talking about all these other places in our modern lives that we might not honor as deeply as we could. Um, and, you know, what would, our, what, are, what have our ancestors have done? How might it have been different for ancient peoples if, with some of these transitions? So we cooked up a book. <laughs> Oh my! Um, and we we have a book called Life Ritualized that we co-wrote, and it talks about all of these places where we should slash could be honoring life's transitions, and and it's everything from birth and um, having babies and death, uh, you know that that whole cycle of life, but also getting a driver's license and graduating, um, the loss of a pet, which is something we don't really honor as a society, but I know so many people who've lost pets where they felt like they lost one of their children and we don't make space for that. So we created this book where there's, um, you know, discussion on why these rites of passage are important, but also we offer a lot of rituals so that you can spiritually and energetically work through and acknowledge some of these big moments in our modern lives. That sounds wonderful. We're going to have to have you both back for this one coming up at the beginning of the year and next year. And it, it just it's very appropriate, I think. And when yeah. you talk about losing pets, yes, I think most people that we know here in the audience in, of Supernatural Girls are and think everybody is an animal mm-hmm. lover. And oh, yeah. I, I see all the time people posting that they've lost a dear, dearly beloved pet. But 
so many mm-hmm. pet owners understand that. You know, we all yep. get it, you know, that it's a, a deep and profound loss. But, yeah, how do you show, um, you know, show your support and and what do you do to offer this person who has just gone through this, this horrible loss? So uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you wrote about that in your book, and I can't wait to read that. Yeah, yeah, it was fun to write it. And it was it was interesting, too, as a, you know, collaborative work to to make a list of the of the moments that we both thought were important enough to ritualize you know so that was it was um it was a lot of fun and it was interesting working together in that way because we'd not collaborated on such a big project before so that was um fun and challenging (laughs) (laughs) oh i can only imagine (laughs) we have very different styles in how we work because i Uh i need background noise i like to have you know music on or the TV playing and I'm not watching it. I just need that hum where Guion needs perfect silence and everything to be in the right place. And so we're like polar opposites in our, in our creative style. Uh, So that was a lot of fun to navigate. (laughs) Oh yeah. There's a lot of negotiation that has to happen with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this because we've talked about using magic to enhance your life, but what about, house clearing or if somebody's having poltergeist activity or hauntings or things Mm -hmm. like that, something from the paranormal side that is a disturbance. Do you do any work with that or have you? Uh, A little bit. So I definitely, I, I work with cleanings and clearings for sure. Like if there's just stuck energy or, um, you know, sometimes if there's been a a trauma or a um, traumatic experience that one of the residents of that house may be holding on to and sort of creating some negative energy, I'm, I'm definitely experienced in working with that. Uh, with, with spirit work, I am not the person to call on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If If there's like, if there's a ghost or a poltergeist or something from that, um, sort of more paranormal side of things. And then I call in like my friend Devin Hunter or Matt Arn, who are um, more equipped to deal with that. That is not mm-hmm. my area of expertise. <laughs> right. Well, it's not for everybody. Yeah. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And when it comes to stuff like that, I feel like you really do need to work with someone who knows what the heck they're doing. Definitely. Definitely. It's yeah. not stuff to be fooled around with at all. Um, right. You never know what's what's going to be coming through, and you always have to be clearing yourself. I mean, we once had a guest on yeah. the show that was a medium, and right. she had, had pneumonia. She wasn't feeling all that great, and there was this horrible sound of a squeaky office chair that went through the whole mm-hmm. first part of the show. And finally, we went to commercial, and I um, I took her into the special room we have where we can talk, and I said, hey can you please change your chair because it's really loud? And, mm. and she's like, that's not my chair. She said, I'm sitting in the <laughs> dining room chair. I'm like, great. So we have a tag along here. And <laughs> anyways, it was it, after I, I kind of named it, 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 it stopped. But when I left the room that I broadcast in and I, I took a picture and a devil, devil's face, Showed up, mm, clear as a bell, right. horns, yeah. pointy chin, the whole nine yards. 
And I called her and I said, hey, I think you need to do a clearing because <laughs> this is not the kind of stuff that we usually get. Right. But that was a good example of what happens when, when somebody is doing, you know, clearings and they're not feeling well and they're mm-hmm. speaking to the other side pretty regularly. Those things can happen. So you're absolutely right. Yep. You have to know what you're doing. And it's definitely yep. not something to do when you're not feeling well because they no. can just take advantage so it was Absolutely. a very interesting show <laughs> and <laughs> aftermath. Um, so yeah, these these things do take advantage. So I, I guess yep, it's that good is that true. That is true. Yeah, so it's good you stay out of that stuff. It's not something you you actually love to do. Um, so, anyways, you have enough going on with all the clients you have now. How can people get a hold of you, Phoenix? How can they reach out to you for? spell work or anything, your books, things like that, where can they find you? Sure, sure. So um, I, I have a website, phoenixlefay.com, and, and Lefay is spelled L-E-F-A-E, Lefay. Um, and, you know, I can be reached there. Also, I do have a little goddess shop called Milk and Honey, and, and that's milk-and-honey.com. And, um, you know, in the days of before COVID and hopefully in the days post COVID, we do a lot of workshops uh, and classes and um, in-person readings, but because we're still maintaining social distance and all that fun stuff, all of our classes have moved online um, and all of the, the readings, cause I, I do readings and then we have three other folks who do readings as well at the shop. And that's, those are all taking place over the phone or online. So um, so you definitely can still book with me. The nice part about it actually is moving everything online has, I've had a lot of students that I've taught in like Australia, for example, be able to attend my classes because it's online. So that's been fun having uh, more people be able to come to classes. Yeah, I think um, that's so great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's how they reach you at phoenixlesay.com. So let yeah. me ask you about the fairy people. Do you do work with fairies? I do. Yeah, that's um that's actually a big part of my personal practice. Yeah. Tell us about that because I we're all fascinated by that and we've heard that there's the good and the bad in the fairy world and you have to mm-hmm. be also cautious as you mm-hmm. approach the fairies. So please enlighten us about that. Yeah. So I feel well and what I'm going to say is potentially um, heretical. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so we we all live in places where there are spirits. And, um, you know, one of the things I often joke about is the only thing I remember from middle school science class is the kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species um, system, right? So, you know, I think that the fairies, the fae, work on a very similar type of scale. Uh, and just because we have a lot of information about fae beings from Ireland and from South America and Hawaii and, and Iceland, because those communities and cultures still work with those spirits. But there mm-hmm. are nature spirits, land spirits, fae beings all over the freaking place, everywhere. So it is about, the, you know, connecting to your own place. Where do you live and what spirits are already there and starting mm-hmm. to develop a relationship with what is in and around your dwelling. Even if you're in a city, there are still fae beings. 
um, Fabian's in this town to be a little bit more um, scary in a certain way. Like they're more urbanized and they know how to work the system, but um, you treat the fairies and, and the Fabians just like you would any unknown person, any culture that you don't have a, a close familiarity with. You don't want to do something or say something offensive. So you mm-hmm. approach with caution and respect uh, and you don't want to be taken advantage of or pickpocketed, you know, if you're a tourist. So um, it is about moving slow and developing relationship. Uh, and that takes time. So a lot of folks, especially because, I mean, really in our modern world, we're used to getting what we want right now. Instant gratification is, is, is real. We, we can go online and have the thing we desire delivered within 24 hours. So yeah. we, as a cult, we as a culture, we move real fast, but fey beings, deities, otherworldly beings, they don't move that fast. Uh, okay. And we have, to sl- we have to slow down if we want to have a good relationship with them. So I know people have, have asked, well, how do I do that? You know, exactly mm-hmm. what steps do I take? Do I leave offerings outside? Do I leave offerings on an altar inside. I mean, how do you mm-hmm. approach that? A lot of this is going to start with your own discernment and intuition. So follow your gut. What does your gut tell you? Um, the one warning I give people is if you start leaving offerings for the Fae, uh, you have to keep doing it. You can't get lazy about it. Uh, if you know, lots of people have heard stories of, of fairies stealing glasses or hairbrushes or your toothbrush or like you know you set something down and turn around to pick it up and it's gone. Mm-hmm. That's often when the fairies feel that they're being disrespected. So it's important oh. that you, if you start a relationship, you have to be willing to continue it. <laughs> if you stop giving offerings, that's when you might notice shenanigans, right? So yeah, so be cautious with that. Um, my favorite way to start this is what like hunters and trackers call the sit spot where you find a place in your yard or in your local park or in your neighborhood where you just go and sit and you watch, watch what happens, watch the neighbors, watch the, the animals and the birds and, and the plants, watch what they all do. Uh, and depending on how sensitive you are to energy, you might start seeing creatures when they start to trust you again this takes time it's not going to happen after 10 minutes right um and if you if you're not super sensitive then you're going to subtly notice things you're going to get your your arms the hair on your arms is going to raise up you're going to get a chill down your back you're going to see something out of your periphery and when you look directly at it nothing will be there right Mm -hmm. so you have to pay attention to the subtle signs too um, but the more you show up and, and say out loud that you want a relationship and give them offerings, the, the, the smoother it will be. And they, they will notice for sure. They're waiting for us to pay attention to them. <laughs> they like it. <laughs> That's good. Now, here's yeah. a question that just came in. What do you offer? Right. That's a really good question. So regionally, that will be something you need to look at. What grows uh, what is a regional thing from your landscape, right? So it might seem weird to give a, a natural being a gift that already exists in that natural landscape, but it actually shows that you're paying attention. Um, traditionally, if we look at European folklore, 
milk and honey are good offerings. Um, whiskey, beer are good offerings. Bread is a good offering. Um, anything that is uh, man-made or, or doesn't biodegrade is not a good offering. You don't want to give plastic things or things that won't biodegrade. Uh, there's a lot of superstition around iron and certain metals that they don't like it. So that's not a good offering. And then there is some, like a big fight over bells. Some people say they love bells. Some people say they hate bells. So that's one of those things that you might have to try in your own environment and see if bells seem to work as a repellent or an attractant. Um, I've found in different places, both of those things to be true. So um, you know, again, it's intuition and discernment. What does your gut say? What is your what does your intuition say? Uh, and pay attention when you give an offering. How quickly is it gone? Uh, I've been uh, I activated a new shrine in my yard for the spirits of the land since we've been on on lockdown. Uh-huh. And the offering that I I left, it, I poured a bowl of milk and honey, and it was gone in an hour. I don't I didn't see a <gasps> crib out there. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see, like, no little cat from the neighborhood was out there. I, I didn't see anything snatch it up. But that was a clear sign that that's what they like. So they want more of that. If they never mm-hmm. touch it or never take it, they don't like it. Give them something else. And you're not supposed to let things get old or moldy or anything like that. So if it, you know, right. cause I, I've heard they can take the energy from it. The actual offering will still be there, but you don't want to eat that or drink that, and you don't no. and also want to leave it there so long that it becomes spoiled, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, in, like in the Hindu system, the the god that you give the food offering to takes the spirit, but then you eat the food, right? So. Oh. That's, but that's not true when working with nature spirits. They don't want mm-hmm. you to eat the food. In fact, it's considered tainted once they take the spirit of it. So you wouldn't want to eat it or drink it. Um, and you're absolutely right. Don't let things get crusty or moldy or smelly. Um, that's disrespectful. So you want to keep your any areas devoted to the fae, you want to keep them tidy. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. It really is. And mm-hmm. now, what about other things to leave? So we talk about food and things to drink. How about mm-hmm. flowers? I've heard conflicting stories about cut flowers versus a plant. I've heard they don't like cut flowers. Some people say they do. Um, mm-hmm. And some people say they much prefer a living plant and don't leave them cut flowers. So what's your opinion on that yeah. one? Yeah, um, so they're... I don't think there's a one solid answer. I think it's true. Some of them like cut flowers and some of them find that insulting. So you have to kind of proceed with caution and and pay attention to the actual individual spirit that you're working for. You know, we, we tend to lump these creatures and these spirits and these entities into one category you know, like, oh, all fairies don't like this thing or all fairies love this thing. But you wouldn't do that with humans. You know, you wouldn't say, oh, all humans love tomatoes because that's not true. Um, right. Some to- humans are allergic to tomatoes. And that's no different with, with these spirits. Some of them are going to love it. Some of them are going to be pissed off by it. So you have to you have to test the waters and try things out and see what works and what doesn't. And you have to be willing to make mistakes. 
Yeah, let's hope that they won't be bad ones. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, fairies can be pretty true. powerful, and they can make yeah. things happen in our world. And yeah. I've heard also a lot of stories about in other countries about fairies taking people. What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is... Um, that's for sure a thing and it's not something you want to happen you know there's I think we romanticize and and I read a lot of YA fiction I love fantasy books I love reading about elves and fairies and vampires I love all that stuff and a Mm -hmm. lot of those books paint Fae as like um, you know these delightful magical mystical creatures that you know are beautiful and 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 in some cases that might be true but um, going into fairy is actually quite dangerous. Going into their realm and, and having them take you away is not something you really want. It can cause madness. Uh, humans aren't supposed to be in that realm. That's not our realm. So, uh, you know, astrally traveling, um, working through meditation or trance, that's one way to connect to other realms. That's a little bit more safe. But ideally, uh, you know, this is a... Working with the Fae is, is a long, slow process. And if you do ever get invited to fairy and you've been working with fairies for a long time, that's one thing to consider. But if you're brand spanking new, you've never done it before, and the first thing that happens is some, a fairy invites you to their realm, you shouldn't go. It's not safe. Yeah. Why would, they, why would, why would the fairy uh, why would the fae want to take a human? Just because, I mean, what's the purpose of it, that? That's, that? You know, that's a really tricky question. I don't know that I know. I've heard um, some folks say that they use humans as, you know, um, labor, that we, we are their servants. Mm-hmm. I've heard people say that they um, take us as lovers because they can't have babies as, as easily as we can, and so they use us for, for that purpose. I've heard mm-hmm. folks say that they that they actually really are smitten by humans and they just want to spend, uh, some of them just want to spend more time with us and don't realize that we, um, we don't work the same way that they do, you know, like time runs differently for them than it done, does for us. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether it's just they don't quite grok what it is to be a human or they have um, nefarious goals. Um or they just love us. Who the heck knows? I don't really know. Um, but it's it's not something to be done taken on lightly. Yeah, that's for sure. And yeah. now there's there's also somebody's writing in about what's the difference between fairies and wood sprites. What's a wood sprite? A wood sprite is a kind of fairy. So you know, like I said, there's all these these classifications. So if you look at mammals as a classification. Humans mm-hmm. are under that umbrella, and so are platypuses, and so are elephants, right? We're all very different, and yet we're all related by being mammals. So it's kind of the same with the fae. I use that as, like, mammals, and then there's all of these subcategories and subclasses and types under that umbrella, and they're all very different. Yeah, that's a lot to take in, and they they all they live yeah. all over the world or under the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, under our the surface of our our planet. It's I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people talk about them living underground. They're in yeah. another dimension, but it could be mm-hmm. an underground dimension, right? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, learning about the Fae and their realms is like a lifetime's worth of work. I think like what I've, this has been one of my main areas of practice since I was a teenager. And I feel like I've only scratched the surface. I don't, I hardly know anything. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a wide topic. Yeah, it is. And they come in all shapes and sizes. I mean, some of them are small, some of them are a bit larger. So like mm-hmm. you said, it's like people and the you know, everybody's different. It's similar in the fairy world. Yeah, exactly. Now, do you have a people, I mean, do you have fairies in the fae world that you feel particularly close to? Yeah. Yeah, I have one specific ally that I've had a relationship with for a very long time. Um, and we we work together often. It actually it tends to go in peaks and valleys where we'll um, be very close for for a while, and then we sort of just like any other relationship, we sort of drift apart and don't communicate for a while, and then all of a sudden something comes up or they show up, and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while, and then we're yeah. you know tight again. <laughs> so yeah, uh, there there are other peripheral beings that I that I maybe would say I'm acquainted with, but not close with. I really just have one super tight ally. Mm-hmm. That is so neat. And then they shared their names with you, like this particular ally has shared a name with you? Yes. I mean, we've been we've been connected for probably 20 years, so I have to trust that the name that's been shared with me is the real their real name, but I can't possibly know how much they um don't tell me. <laughs> I take everything with a grain of salt. <laughs> oh gosh. <clears throat> that is funny. What do the say think of our our pets, our dogs, and our cats? I mean, do, what do they think of them? Do they have a relationship with them? Do they think we're silly having pets? What do they think about that? Yeah, they, no, they totally have relationships with them. I mean, especially if you uh, ever have seen a cat or a dog, like, wig out on something you can't see or stare at the corner when you know nothing is there. I mean, they're they're being taunted by but I say they really love to mess with animals. It's pretty cute. It's kind of like a fun little game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, our our pets can totally see them. And what about, here's another question. Somebody wants to know about gnomes. What are gnomes? Mm-hmm. Gnomes are a type of fairy. Yeah, they're, um, they're like a land spirit, um, a very underground, like you were saying. They're one of those creatures that live underground or in dense, um, woodland areas, um, yeah, they're they're uh, one of the classifications of a fae being. Are they considered more mischievous, or I don't think they have a great reputation, do they? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean a lot of them, a lot of a lot of them don't have great reputations, but it also depends on your relationship with them. You know, even as a human who can be a potential pain in the butt can have people who that they, they get along with, you know? So it it kind of depends on, um, on how you might work with them. But yeah, they're, they're ones that can be more difficult to have a good relationship with. <laughs> <laughs> Although yeah. my stepdaughter loves gnomes and has a really great relationship with gnomes. So you never know. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, you're right. You never do know. Now, 
There, there was a, a big book written about Sindhorn and how they grew these mm. amazing, huge vegetables. I mean, they were like nuclear mm-hmm. size. And, mm-hmm. and they said that they were working with the elementals to create this type of a garden. Now, have you had any experience with anything like that? Uh, not necessarily like the massive vegetable situation, uh, but mm-hmm. I, especially this year, because because of COVID, one of the blessings that has been brought into my life was this expansive space to work on my yard. So for the first time in a really long time, I've been spending a lot of my mornings outdoors talking to the spirits of the land and the fae beings in my yard, and I have plants and vegetables growing that I've never grown before. Um, and part of that is just, you know, because I have the time to garden, but it's mm-hmm. also sure. like I have some things really thriving because I am intentionally working with, with the spirits in my yard to help me. Yeah. There's, you know, working important. with the forces. Of, yeah. 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 Working with the forces of nature is um, ideal. It makes it, it all is. And it goes right along yeah. with your book about walking this beauty path and, Mm-hmm. And seeing all the magic around us and everything. Again, it's a wonderful book. All your books. I want to get your other books on Hoodoo, too, because those sound so interesting. So, oh, thanks. Phoenix, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It's such a pleasure speaking with you about so many wonderful topics. And everybody, again, if you want to reach out to Phoenix and get the rest of her books, you can go to Phoenix Lafay. That's L-E-F-A-E dot com. Well, thanks again, Phoenix, and I look forward to having you back with your next book that you did with Guion about ritualizing our lives. It sounds wonderful. So please keep us posted so so we can have you come back. Yeah, will do. Thank you so much. This was delightful. Oh, same here. So much fun. And next week, everybody, we'll be back with another exciting show. And until then, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.